was kind of a weird kid growing up and I struggled a lot with like depression and mental illness and substance use. So I was picked on a lot as a kid, dude. I'm also a sexual assault survivor. And so for a lot of my life, like holding this trauma and being in this body that doesn't feel like mine and feeling like someone took something from me so long ago. And mm. MMA kind of gave me this opportunity to like find my power. You know, I grew up as like this punk rock kid. So I was in mosh pits and I was a, a little bit of a scrapper growing up. And so finding this like consensual violence outlet was magical for me. Hello, Americans. It is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. No, no. How's uh, how's your kid, by the way? Oh, good. Thank you so much for asking. I, yeah. you know, I work in a hospital and so I was exposed on Friday. So sometimes I can be a little hypersensitive. So not for me, oh. like I'd have to be dying before I'll go to a doctor. Oh. But with my kids, I'm like <laughs> paranoid, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. That's, that's how I am. I'm like a, um, like a big suck it up, walk it off. Like, unless yeah, I'm dying, fine. why am I? <laughs> Right, right. That's I mean, that's how my parents raised me. So I don't I you know, yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah. But okay. Um, yeah, thank quick, you for your flexibility. Oh, no, of course, of course. I I, I love doing this. So it's it's like, you know, um, meeting interesting people, good backstories. And talking about things that I love is very easy for me, right? So it's like, yeah, hey, I just got to do this later. Like, okay, I, this is what I love doing anyway. So why would I not? You yes. know, but, I know. I, I so feel that. And it, you can so see it. Like when I watch your podcast, I'm like, oh, it's so cool to see your passion come through. I'm so that nice. way. And I just really appreciate that. So I'm Thank excited, you. man. Yeah, yeah. No, me too. Me too. Um, And I, just, I, I love when people like tell me these things. Like, Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm, I'm always, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Real quick. Let's see. One of my um oh uh so th this might take a little while to upload after hit stop record um so I'm pr sure. we're probably going to talk a little bit after we hit stop recording um and then um sorry i'm, I'm getting my notes ready just just for cool, no uh, um and i think that's about it is there i mean based off of kind of what i told you what i want to talk about is there is there anything that you want to talk about outside of that there's nothing I want to talk about. These are all the things I love. Like, dude, I could talk about mental health and like fitness and MMA and all those things forever. So I'm super stoked. I yeah. really want to talk about what I do. I just cannot say where I work. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, Thank you. A, I, I don't know for what reasons, but I know in my mind, I'm keep, I'm, I'm thinking like, there's a lot of fucking creepers out there that just like, oh, that's where you work. Like I gotta go. Do you know there, what? Right? Dude, I've thought about that so many times. I actually, so I work for the government. And so anything mm -hmm. I say in podcasts and everything, and I, I do a lot of these like professionally and for fun, but if mm -hmm. I'm under the professional umbrella, then I have to have like my communications team and they edit everything I say, which is why I don't ever invite them when I go anywhere. Um, oh, wow. But this one, I'm oh. just me. So I'm excited. Oh, wow. So what I just heard is that you're kind of a big deal. Is this what, I, <laughs> what you're saying? <laughs> You know what? Yeah, let's tell people that. Yeah, that yeah, makes me feel. Yeah. No, I sound way more important than I am, but it'll be fun. I love to talk about what I do. I love what I do. I have the coolest oh, job on the planet. The coolest job on the planet. Well, you know what? Yeah, Parker, and if just... anybody challenges me, I'll fight them. Challenge? Well, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, oh right uh, no well i mean are you though i know i don't I don't think you're kidding i, I don't i mean your literal your literal instagram handle is parker likes fighting yeah so i i, yeah, I think you, you yeah yeah i think you have to live up to it like if if someone yeah. challenges you, you you're like see my ig handle you can't be a liar you know, then it. that goes against yeah, your integrity no. right you have to you don't have to right? i'm in it to win it man exactly <laughs> exactly exactly um so what is up parker uh how um i, I guess i guess was we're starting this um I, I gotta tell you the thing that really wanted me to connect with you and then and then create you know this episode is that you are someone who trained mma that is a, like parker likes fighting likes all of that kind of stuff and now you're transitioning over to attempting bodybuilding um and i i one of the things like i said the like your most one of your most instagram most recent instagram posts where you talk about like the three things that you wish you would have known before you got into <laughs> bodybuilding right um yeah. and, and just just for the people that are listening uh i i definitely wanted to highlight you said like the cost of it uh the cost of doing the sport when it comes to training coaches whole nine yards the Actually, well, why am I talking about this? What can you talk about the three things that you posted, and and yeah. then uh, if you could kind of go behind where uh, that the inspiration for that post came from? Yeah, for sure. I am very new. This is my first competition. I am eighty-seven days out. Not that I'm counting. And so, number <laughs> one was the expense of the sport, and the most shocking expense for me that really naively, I guess, I didn't really think about was my grocery bill, dude. My grocery bill has like doubled in price. And um, that was pretty shocking. Uh, what else did I say in that? Like, listen, I say so many things. I don't keep track of what I say. Um, oh, no, no. That was really surprising <laughs> to me. The amount of people who've given me their opinions was something I definitely like commented on. As mm -hmm. I'm telling people, this is what I'm doing. People are so um, like, I think in that post, I said, all of a sudden, like everybody becomes Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah. And has this really bizarre opinion that comes from literally nowhere. Mm. And they're like, are you sure that's healthy? Are you sure that's okay? Are you worried yeah. you're going to get too big, too small? And they don't come from just one place. It's like, I think you're getting too big too fast. Like, I think you're losing too much weight too quickly. You're too skinny now, right? And it's just, mm. it's really bizarre how opinionated people are about right. those things. Yeah, I, what I found really interesting um, about that is you talked about how the majority of the opinions are coming from people that have never even attempted to be in the sport, or and it and it, you're right. It just it just seems like everybody has an opinion on something, especially when they don't know the reality of what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, and and that's so. So what are I'm curious with that? Where, if you had to describe or make a mold of the kind of person that does give you that kind of feedback like what would you say their experience with working out is their experience with actually eating correctly per se like what would you say about that uh none they have none experience <laughs> uh, I, I actually think the loudest people are the people who don't have experience they're just think, seeing things that they saw online or I, I don't even know where they're getting this stuff from because it's just so far-fetched i think like a lot of things mm -hmm. like stigma right of whatever and um people have already started talking to me about like steroids like immediately mm. people go go into steroids and like 
it's just so bizarre and so wild. And I had someone tell me like, no, I can tell you're using steroids, which I thought was such a compliment. <laughs> right, you know, right. <laughs> like somebody tried to fight with me on Instagram one day and they're like, Hey, I can totally tell that you Photoshop this picture, which like, dude, I'm not opposed to Photoshopping your pictures. You go for it. If I was smart enough to know how to use Photoshop, I would look so much cuter online, but I, <laughs> so I don't, cause I'm not smart enough or have the time, I guess. I don't know, whatever. And when he said that though, I thought like, yeah, I like Photoshop. You know what I mean? Right, so like, right. I'll take it as a compliment. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder where that always comes from. Where I mean, don't get me wrong. Before I started getting to the natural bodybuilding world, I did have that stigma thinking that if you get into bodybuilding, you have to do steroids or some dynamic. But yeah. then as soon as I was introduced to the natural world, I realized, no, it's actually you can just you can actually achieve some of these results. Now, obviously, mm -hmm. that comes few and far between without enhancement. But the right. objective result that we're kind of kind of lead on to believe that you need steroids with is, mm -hmm. yeah, it, that kind of goes away the more and more you step into it. Um, you know, when, yeah, I'm going to ask you about that. Like, where do you think that comes from? Where people are just like, oh, you have to be doing steroids. You have to be doing this. You have to be doing that. Like, where do you think that comes from? You know, I think like a lot of things when people are criticizing you, it comes from a place of I, I could never do that. So I know there's no way you are doing it. I could never have that kind of discipline on my own. Therefore, I know for a fact you couldn't. I really, you know, there's that like saying, and you see a lot on like reels and, and TikTok and stuff about like nobody doing better than you is not criticizing you. Mm, and I, yeah. I think that that stands so true of like, yeah, it is weird that I, I have two kids and I, I'm the director of a department. I work a full-time job in a very chaotic environment and I also go to the gym at 9 to 11 p.m. every single day. And it is hard and eating and keeping track of, you know, tracking your food, weighing everything out, the amount of time it takes to make dinner now and all of that kind of stuff. It is so much harder and mm -hmm. it is a full lifestyle commitment. And so right. I think that that just comes from like a, you must be cheating. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. Cause a lot of people view the world as a projection of themselves, not understanding that yeah. there's different ways to approach things. And you're, I think you hit it on the head where you're like, yeah, I can't get these results or I never have. So therefore everyone else right. has to be cheating because I'm not capable of doing so. That, that's yeah, and of, I think you said something uh, super important in that, which is like, I never have, not that you can't because like anybody can with a handful of exception, right? You can, you just haven't, you just don't, you've chosen not to. Right, right, right. And it's, it's interesting too, is like when people have never achieved something, it's like, then therefore it's not possible for anybody else. And then like they, it's, it's like, you have two choices, right? You can use that as fuel or you can use that as a wall and not try to get past it. And it seems like more often than not, people use that as an excuse to not actually apply themselves and explore what that could mean, you know, instead of you know, one of the things that I talked to one of my buddies about is when I got into bodybuilding, one of the mindsets that changed for me was instead of saying, I can't, I would ask, well, if I could, then what would that look like? And that in Ooh. of itself has enabled me to like, all right, well, if I were to take these steps, take this. Now, I didn't exactly create the physique that I objectively was going for um, mm -hmm. when I started training. But then, you know, when I realized I'm like, this is the max of what I can do based off of what I've learned and I can still continue to improve. Um, and I think by chasing that objective result, gaining the subjective mindset that I have is way more beneficial and priceless um, to anything else that I could have ever really pursued in this pursuit. 
Um, and th that kind of goes into that last thing that you actually posted in the three things that you um, that you wish you had known, which is I, I believe he said that you don't know how strong you are or you you underestimate how strong how strong. And what did you yeah. what did you mean by that? And how did that reflect for you? Yeah, you know, it's funny the way that I actually got into this sport. Um, funny enough, I was uh, living in a different town and um, Chris science and game shout out coach. Um, oh yeah uh, reached out to me on instagram and we'd never met before and he's like hey have you ever thought of doing bodybuilding and i said that's too hard i would never do that um i don't have that kind of discipline and uh thank you and he was like okay well come to my jujitsu gym you know come check it out and so i actually met him because he promoted someone else's gym and i went and i started hanging out and i just said like i just i don't have the discipline to do that and then i think three or four years later, I'm now working with Chris and he is my coach. It's hard. Like this mm. is one of the hardest things I've literally ever done. And mm -hmm. there's been a couple of times already where I've like text Chris at like 9 PM and I'm like, I can do this, right? Everything's okay. Right. This is fine. <laughs> and it's amazing when you just shut up and do it. Mm -hmm. And then you get done and you're like, holy shit, I did it, man. Like, I just did that. And sometimes it's something really small. Like, dude, I'll get through like the last 45 minutes of cardio, you know, and I'm just like, oh my God, I just got done with that. Like, I actually did it. I was crying and complaining the whole time, but I did it. Right. You know, right. even in that like physical sense sometimes of there's been times where I've told Chris, like, I can't lift that heavier. I can't do that many. And it's like, shut up and do it. Mm -hmm. And you can actually, you, if you just shut up and get out of your own way, <laughs> it's so yeah. amazing what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, I, I believe it was Andy Frisella. Uh, I forgot what the podcast he, he has, but he's like one of the CEOs of first form and he would talk about your inner bitch voice. And when, like, in, instead of listening to that inner bitch voice, like you just say, fuck you. And I'm going to end up doing that. I, ironically enough, I, um, this morning I woke up and I, and I plan on doing a five mile run. And when I woke oh. up, you know, I'm just like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. Like, fuck <laughs> this. It, but then I no have thanks. this, like this, right, right. No, thank you. Like that was, that was a good idea. Alan. Good job, bro. You know? Um, but then I'm like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, Oh my God, if I don't fucking do this, I'm only giving into my inner bitch voice. I, and then of course I self-deprecate when I, in those moments, like, no, now Alan, you're a bitch. Now you can become a fat ass. Now you're a piece of shit. And then, so I went up and ran. Um, and then as I got back, I'm like, Dude, that was great. This is why did why did yes. I you know why did I do that? Yeah, um, and you feel so good after. Right, 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 <laughs> and, and it's crazy to think that like there's, I I think just about an anything anything and everything that we do when it comes to structural change in our routine or our habits, we do have that little bit of resistance or actually a lot of bit of resistance. Yeah, and it's interesting on. And I'm I'm curious how this is how this has played out for you, but I know for me that when I did my first bodybuilding competition, when I had those moments where I was telling my coach I hate this shit, I or when I'm weighing <laughs> out my food and I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, Alan, why just to step on fucking stage? But then I realized for me, it, it played out in so many other areas of my life where I yeah. know that I could be just a little bit better as long as I got past that inner bitch voice that just presents itself when I could do or when it's doing something that I, I'm not normally doing. So I'm wondering for you, as you are regularly presented with this, this challenge, this, this crying, as you said, um, how was that played out in other areas of your life outside of just bodybuilding? 
it's really crazy. I didn't think that it would, but I feel like in almost every area of my life, my confidence has increased a little bit. Like, mm. listen, I'm real arrogant. Like, and I'm like, I'm a badass. you know, I'll kick your ass, whatever, but it's all, it's all fake. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> obviously. And, <laughs> but there is a part of me that now I'm like, maybe I am kind of a little bit of a badass though. Mm -hmm. You know, and you start believing in yourself a little bit and then recognizing, and this sounds really silly perhaps, but I, I'm a free spirit who lives in the moment and, you know, whatever. But what I'm recognizing is when you have a plan and a regimen and you follow things step by step, as it turns out, it is, it is amazing what happens. And when you start things like, um, you know, when I, when I'm working with my coach and I'm using these apps that is qualitative and quantitative data and I'm able to look at that and I can get this really full picture and it makes you understand what you're doing in such a different way. And so I've essentially like started applying that same concept without necessarily recognizing it or it being a conscientious decision. Hmm. But I've started just because I have to be so regimented throughout my day. If I'm going to get 10,000 steps, in, if I'm going to get this lift in, if I'm going to get these eight things done on my to-do list, I have to operate that way. And so because I've become so structured in these big parts of my life, everything else has just fallen into the structure. And so mm. it's been really cool. I kind of thought that I would start really focusing in on this and everything else would just fall away. And what I've recognized is like the stronger that I'm getting mentally through this process, it's just showing up in every other aspect of my life, which has probably been the coolest part to me so far. Right, right. Um not to get too personal, but you can bring up whatever you want. Is there an example that you have of where you've seen it play out and you're like, Holy, Holy crap. I wasn't, I wasn't like this before while I'm doing this. Is there something like you could provide as an example? I can have even choose. Yes, actually. Okay. okay. So the month that I decided that I was going to do this, I had three weeks of back-to-back -back conferences at work. And so I was in Washington, DC, and then I went to like the middle of nowhere, Texas, um, and then I went to get, like, I was all over the place and I had just um, applied for a different job in my organization, but it essentially would have been a promotion, right? And I thought for sure, I've never interviewed for a job and not gotten it actually. And so I interviewed for this job the same month I'm committing to this. And I definitely thought I got it and I did not get it. I did not get oh, the man. job. I was shocked and it was like, honestly, a very humbling experience. And there was a part mm. of me that was like, you kind of want to throw that temper tantrum, right? And be like, well, you know what? Fuck this place. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I'm better than you anyway. I don't want your stupid job. And um, I feel like I kind of just lost sight a little bit. I lost track a little bit. This like bitterness and resentment that I started kind of carrying around was like a bit of a distraction for me. And then doing this and again, getting so regimented and having all these things fall into place. I'm so all about my to-do list right now. And so naturally where I had kind of taken my pedal, like my foot off the pedal a little bit, just having that, like someone told me no, Alan, someone told me no. <laughs> and I didn't handle it well. And so it really was like, I feel like I fell down really hard for a second and it made me question like, Am I good at anything? Am I okay? Am I, you know, whatever. And so this whole process has been kind of like this beautiful thing that came out of what felt like such a failure. And it's kind mm. of put me back in like the universe did not want me to get that job. Um, I hate to be so kooky about it, but it, all of this has helped me just reignite my passion. And I love what I do. I have, again, the coolest job on the planet. 
Um, I said earlier before we started, I will fight anybody who challenges me on that because I promise I'll win. Um, and I'm exactly where I need to be. I just need to put the pedal to the metal, but I'm exactly where I need to be. And so it's been cool. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I really, um, I, I think it's interesting when I was a lot younger, I would view moments like that as complete failure. Like, oh, you failed. You you didn't succeed. You suck. <laughs> right. You suck pretty much. Um but I remember a while ago when um, I brought this up on a previous podcast, but I was, I was remember like I, I had broken up with one of my previous girlfriends and then I was just sitting there kind of sulking and I'm like, oh, I've had this girlfriend and that girlfriend and this girlfriend and they've all blah, 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 blah. And then someone's like, hey, you know, the commonality of your ex-girlfriends is you. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> right. But, but, but you're, but you know, it's like in those moments where we, where we fail, right. That we realize like, what is it about that failure that makes it a failure? And is there something that I can improve on and be better? And it's, yeah. it's those moments that are so important for us to develop that, that resilience and have that reframing yes. of our view and our perspective that we only really pay attention to or value when we fail per se. Mm -hmm. um, I, I saw something really interesting and, and before we get into this, but, but uh, from a quantitative perspective, and it comes to the depth of emotion and how we feel it, that when it comes to positive emotions and negative emotions, that negative emotions actually affect us four times greater than positive emotions. And so like when it comes to losing like $10 or gaining $10, the fear of losing $10 will provoke more action than it is the aspiration of gaining $10. And so it's crazy on any time. Like, so my last three competitions, my last three, my only three competitions, when I, <laughs> um, <laughs> when I went to uh, compete, it, it was, I, the stories that I would tell myself was not like, Hey, Alan, you're going to be jacked. When you get up on stage, you're going to be ripped. <laughs> and it's like, no, Alan, if you don't fucking do better than last time, you're a fucking bitch. You're a fucking like, and you know, obviously you can say that's positive or negative, but the, the net outcome was a lot better because I talked to myself from a negative emotion standpoint than yeah. I did a positive. And I think it's crazy on, you know, when I, when I look at it as a whole, yeah, and just about anything I push myself towards on the outside, on Alan, on Shifty Q and podcast, I'm like, hey, let's do all these great things, you know, whatever. But in the yeah. background, in my own head, I'm like, Alan, if you don't do this, you're a bitch. Alan, if you don't, you're a failure. Yeah. Alan, you're this, you know, and it's um, it's interesting. Um, but I think that's the be there is beauty of failure, right? Like, and I think that is the beauty of the failure. Like I tell people all the time, uh, and so I'm trying to take my own advice, like you should fail forward, fail often and fail as fast as you can. Right. Cause like that is how you get that. And I think that failure does fuel that. And I think that it makes you want to be better and, and show yourself that you can be better. And that's such a cool motivation, unlike any other. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that just goes into like how a lot of people even get into fitness or start a new body. They, a lot, one of the biggest catalysts is through a breakup or getting rejected yeah. in some dynamic and dating. You're like, fuck this guy. I'm going to be better. <laughs> Yeah. And you see it all the time and, and it and it really does work. But those are one of those things where you have to choose that to be a pivot point for you to be better, not use it as a point yeah. of being victimized, you know? Um, right. All right. So I did want to talk about the whole fighting thing. Um, and and yeah. real quickly, just as we're as we're talking about this, 
Um, so as you are a MMA background, you are getting into bodybuilding. I have, I guess, what you would consider a bodybuilding background. And I actually have my first uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing lesson tomorrow. So, oh, I'm so stoked for you. Th thank you. Thank you. I'm kind of scared shitless. Muay Thai's but, I mean, my that's favorite. Okay. Oh, why, why, why is it your favorite? Because you can throw elbows and knees. Uh, yeah yeah all right it's the best part is that uh you can you can throw elbows and knees in muay thai like boxing you know so it's striking but you can't use elbows and knees and muay thai you can throw elbows and knees now being able to throw them means that you will absorb them so those are oh. you know, not your like first time i'm sure unless you were training with some real fucking assholes but right. uh yeah muay thai is so fun oh i'm so excited for you i can't wait to hear thank how this you. goes thank you i mean and likewise i'm excited for you to see how that goes for you as well yeah. um <laughs> but but that's that's one of the things i'm really interested in is is like what got you what is is what is your i guess space mma like what got you into it what got you to continue pursuing it um, for you yeah. and that entire experience, what was that like? You know, MMA was one of those weird things that I, I remember the very first UFC. I'm a big UFC fan, too. Um, okay. And it's kind of embarrassing right now, to be honest. I'm kind of embarrassed <laughs> by everything happening in the UFC. But I remember my Ooh. first UFC fight that I got to watch and thinking, uh, and it was Diego Sanchez and Clay Guida, which was a great fight. Oh. It is a, the UFC Hall of Fame fight. I mean, it was just awesome. And I remember just thinking, like, Oh my God, I want to be that badass. Like okay. I want to be able to do that. I was a kid, you know, I, I was a, I grew up kind of weird. I grew up in like hospitals and mental health hospitals and psych hospitals. And I was kind of a weird kid growing up and I struggled a lot with like depression and mental illness and substance use. So I was picked on a lot as a kid, dude. Um, mm. And there was some bit of like being able to find my power. Um, I'm also a sexual assault survivor. And so for a lot of my life, like holding this trauma and being in this body that doesn't feel like mine and feeling like someone took something from me so long ago and mm. MMA kind of gave me this opportunity to like find my power. Um, you know, I grew up as like this punk rock kid. So I was in mosh pits and I was a, a little bit of a scrapper growing up. And so finding this like consensual violence outlet was magical for me. Wow. Consensual cool. violence outlet. I, I, uh, there, there's, I'm writing that down. That, that sounds great. <laughs> Consensual violence outlet. Um, so that's so, so, wow. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. So, so what was the yeah. moment where you, did you like step into a gym? Did you just Parker likes fighting and got into a fight and then you're like, I need to go into a gym. Like, how did that, um, yeah. how did that, official training and everything start for you yeah so i actually um so growing up in like psych hospitals and stuff they always want you to do physical activity right and i say it like that because it's so annoying because it's true when you are not doing well being physical and you know getting that activity and it does help it sounds so patronizing when you're in it but it is true um and so i had actually gone with a group um like a support group type thing to this Krav Maga class. Oh, okay. And yeah. And so I, you know, it had this like UFC, like, oh my God, that's actually really cool. I started looking into it. And then this Krav Maga thing had presented itself. I was like, yeah, I'll go check that out. It was not what I thought it was. I thought hmm. not being a total novice and walking in the door, I thought I was going in to meet Diego Sanchez and Clay Guida in the Krav Maga class. Not what it is at all. And mm -hmm. so it's like a self-defense thing, right? And the instructor had said, you know, why don't you come check out this gym? And so I 
went to a UFC gym and I just said like, Hey, I, I want to learn how to fight. And the reality was I didn't take it very seriously. I wasn't in a great place in my life. And so I showed mm. up to class oftentimes like hungover or, you know, whatever, but I kept showing up. Um, hmm. It was like the one thing that was like keeping me kind of going. And it was weird because again, I wasn't taking it seriously. Hindsight, I'm sure my coach hated me so much. <laughs> and I'm sure that everyone in that gym was like, why do you even bother to come here? But I was so depressed at the time. And it was the one thing that really kind of like kept me getting out of my house and going somewhere. And there was something so empowering about it. And I, I'm kind of a, I have to get hit in the face a few times before I start like participating. I don't know, it's really a weird thing in me, but I remember like the first time I experienced a true sparring night and I thought that was the best high I'd ever had. It was the most exhilarating. I felt accomplished. I was so proud of myself for like standing in there and doing it and I sucked, mm -hmm. right? Like I got my ass beat, I cried. Um, people compared me to a rag doll. They were like, you just kind of flew around. But I was like, yeah, but you know what? I didn't quit though. And that was really cool to me. And so I just like, maybe the masochistic part of me kicked in a little bit, but it was so dope. And I had such a great time and I found great friends and great people who weren't inviting me out to go out for drinks. I mean, they were, but they were also saying, let's get up at 6am and, and, you know, we're all going to meet at the gym. We're all going to do this. And it was the first experience of like team that I ever had. I didn't grow up playing sports and that kind of stuff. And so having these other people who are pursuing the same goals and kind of in the same space and they push you to be better. Like you want in this weird way, you want to show your teammates like, yeah, I'm here to show up too. Um, and that was just so helpful for me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That that's pretty interesting. Cool, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool that you, it, it seemed like you just grew in that entire process and on a lot of different versions yeah. of you happened in, in that, in that transition per se. I mean, especially yeah. if like you just said right there, yeah, you showed up while you were kind of hung over sometimes and, and you kind of didn't take it nonchalantly. Um, but I'd also argue that that's how a lot of us start pursuing things that we love. We kind of just kind of put our feet into it, not realizing this is what's meant for us, but something that keeps driving us to keep showing up and keep showing up. And you're like, wait a minute, I could do better at this. Maybe let's not be hungover yeah. all the time. Maybe let's, let's not do that. You know? Um, yeah. If you're paying for it anyway, do it the right way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I, I started dying laughing when you were, when you said you had to get punched a couple of times for you to start getting into it. Like, <laughs> like, uh, but actually, so the gym that Chris and I first met at, uh -huh. um, was in call is in Bryan, Texas. And my sparring partner, she was, I think the only other girl that was fighting in this gym. She walked around at 160 pounds. I weigh 120. And so oh. she just, yeah, like she just kicked my ass every night of the week. I love her. I respect the shit out of this chick. She is one of the coolest, most badass people I've ever met in my life. And, um, I was actually just talking to Chris about this the other day and I was kind of sharing and he was saying like, dude, nobody wanted to spar with her because she mm -hmm. was just such a powerhouse. I mean, she was so terrifying. And I was like, dude, she just beat the shit out of me. Mm. It was great. Mm. That was great. It was, awesome. <laughs> it was so well, cool. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny because bodybuilders, right? We take our shot of pre-workout and we think we're a badass if we could just raw scoop <laughs> the pre-workout. And here you are like, no, I need to get punched a couple of times before I actually start, guys. <laughs> like, that's my fucking pre-workout. Well. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it, again, it's Parker likes fighting, not Parker likes yeah. punching, not Parker likes like you. You gotta, I guess, you gotta love the entirety of what it is, right? I mean, you gotta, yeah. As much as you love getting or punching someone, you, I guess, at some point and in some measure, you have to enjoy getting punched or at least be ready for it. Um, yeah, like right. nobody likes getting rocked, right? But right. <laughs> all right for all right so for for someone like me right who is who's just been doing bodybuilding and is taking my first step into that what is there any if you had to bring up maybe like two or three things that you would advise me on or warn me on or things that i should know before i get my ass kicked and get punched a couple of times before <laughs> i get going to um what are some things that you would recommend you know, I think the, the best piece of advice that someone ever gave me was like humility. When mm. it comes to MMA, basically everybody in that space can beat the shit out of you. And they know that you're not good. They know that you're new. So you're not supposed to come in and be really good at things. You're not coming in to prove something. You are coming in as a new person. And I think sometimes like when you're in, you, when you are the new person, that insecurity kind of kicks in and you do want to show people like, yeah, but I know this other stuff or I, you know, whatever. And it's like, Shut up, listen, and absorb, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Like, don't mm. be afraid to just get in there and do it, and you will not know. Like, I can't tell you how many times a coach was like, okay, this is what we're drilling. Everybody got it, and of course you go, yep. And then you go to your sparring partner, and you're like, hey, what did he say? Like, what did they, <laughs> and then you kind of like look around, and nobody knows, you just go for it, and you just learn, and you just try, and just don't quit. All right, all right, yeah. yeah just don't I, quit. I, I like how uh, what you said is you can go in there and you get your ass beat and you know everybody can whoop your ass. I, I feel yeah. that is so important for personal development. And I, I know that might sound counterintuitive, but I think you need to have those pillars that will humble you if you get out of line. And yes. I'd argue that's what a, a lot of problems with today's society is, is that they go right. out not understanding the repercussion of their actions. Um, and I remember for me, I remember growing up, I used to shit talk all the time, but then, you know, people would either a, you say it to the wrong person or B, they, they get yeah. back at you and say some real fucked up shit to you. And you're like, well, you know, maybe I'm not going to say that, you Wait know, a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Oh damn, that one, that one kind of hurt, you know, like shit, I was just fucking around. Like why? It got real. <laughs> yeah. It got way too real, right? Way too quickly. Um, but but you could it feels like a lot of people move um without ever experiencing that kind of i don't want to say fear but i think i think fear actually is is the right word you know like they don't they don't yeah. have that kind of fear and and it's actually inhibits them from being a better version of themselves so oh totally yeah. I, I won't get in my soapbox about that because i'm very strongly opinion i totally agree and i think one of the cool things about like you know i remember this one kid who had come into an MMA gym for the very first time and he was, his girlfriend was trying to talk him up. Like it was very cute actually. And she's like, oh yeah, he did Taekwondo. He does MMA. He does MMA. He does Taekwondo. And uh, like when he was seven, he did Taekwondo. And no. now he's like, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, not like currently. And it was like, oh, okay, that was really nice. And he came in, he was like shit talking everybody about how like, you know, jujitsu wouldn't work on him and street fights and all that. And it's like, if you come in with that mindset, you will get laid the fuck out. I promise. Like you will get laid the fuck out and you should 
Yeah. <laughs> like, at that point, <laughs> you need it. You're welcome. Right. But right. just coming in with that open mind and everybody is, you know, super, super cool in, in the MMA community. I That's been my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's healthy where you start pursuing something that you just have no idea on where you start back at the bottom of a, of a perspective of a totem pole and, you know, you're just starting brand new. I think constantly experiencing new things and becoming a better version of yourself in a little bit is just so damn healthy. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at, at a curiosity for you, what are, when it comes to like training, when it comes to recovering or mindset wise, from, you know, doing MMA as kind of work to now bodybuilding, like what are some of the things that are the same? Some of the things that are different? Um, yeah. What has that been like for you exactly like transitioning over? Yeah, it's, it's been challenging in certain ways because MMA is so different of a mindset, I guess. Like and MMA, I'm like, yeah, but I can kick your ass. So I don't need to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to have good cardio. Like it's fine. Like for, for someone who's like primarily a striker, my cardio sucks, but I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I don't really need it. Like I can go, mm. you know, a couple minutes and I'm good. Um, and in bodybuilding, it's just, it's the connection you have with your body does feel different. Um, mm. MMA is this very explosive. It's very quick. It's very, and I feel like in bodybuilding, it's so much more controlled. It's so much more, um, I feel much more present in my body um, and kind of in what I'm doing versus like when I'm training in MMA, um, mm. which has been cool. The discipline piece also has been very different. Um, mm. I did not think about food. I wasn't, a, I wasn't very good. Um, yeah. and so, but I, <laughs> you know, maybe I should have, um, but I, I didn't think about those things. Water, like I can't tell you how many times I used to pass out of dehydration. Cause like, I just didn't drink water and I thought that was totally fine. And so now like, I'm like, Oh, my body craves water. How bizarre. Um, right. and it's kind of given me like a more holistic and full view of my body. And when it comes to recovery, like I would get punched in the face and it would look a little gnarly for a little bit. Um, and people would be very concerned. Like when I was walking around, like, and I would be with my friends or, you know, if I was like dating people and I was like with them and I had like my busted up face, people were like, oh. you know, super oh, yeah. concerned. And yeah, I was in a job interview one time and I had a really busted up face for the job I actually have now. So it's like five years ago. <laughs> And I was like, this is totally normal. I'm so sorry. Like, this is totally fine. And I explained it. And then at the end of the interview, the interviewer was like, hey, totally understand. But she did slide a business card for like the local women's shelter to me. And was like, just in case, which I thought was very sweet and very right. thoughtful, which we should all be doing. But also it was kind of hilarious, like in the back of my brain, like, no, I'm just a wackadoodle who like pays people money at night to do this to me. It's totally fine. <laughs> Yeah, I feel sorry for uh, whoever you're dating at the time. Like, I, I, oh my, my God, if, if I know that, like, let's say my girlfriend, um, I hate to say this, but really fell down the stairs or something like that, and we were to go out, mm -hmm. I know that there's <laughs> that natural paranoia. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I, you know, like, so I can only imagine for them, like, no, no, she does train. No, I no. I swear I didn't do this. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, if he tried, it would kick his ass. Trust me. <laughs> you know? Right, right, and especially today's day and age, where where it just it seems like that's always the assumption of of domestic yeah. abuse. And and I'm not like I'm not saying that that's not a healthy way to start, but I mean, but because that's the immediate narrative, you know, it's it just like, oh, uh, okay, no, no, what had happened was, oh God, time out. Let me this tell is, you, let me explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah let me. <laughs> what had happened was. And I feel like it just would naturally lead off every single story, like. 
Hi, I'm Alan. This is my girlfriend. Well, wait, she likes them. They finding she likes this. She likes that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, and people like you know like I I I'm smaller, and so people don't always believe that. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 funny. Um, all right. So what I love about you enjoying UFC, and then you being a mental health advocate. For me, what got me into mental health, emotional health, um, being a higher version of myself is this program uh, called Choice. And Choice is, oh, I, I don't know if you're aware of it, but Choice is, um, it pretty much, it helps you work through all of your traumas and reframe a lot of them so that it empowers you and it doesn't victimize you. It helps you get out of that mm -hmm. mindset. Now, a lot of the people that are in Choice are actually UFC fighters. So people like Dominic Cruz, his brother, Derek Cruz is in my um, class. Uh, people like Ed Clay, he, he came from Choice and he started his Chipsa um, hospital in Mexico. And so I, I, I like to say that I'm, I'm only a person away from premium and premier UFC fighters. So, uh, and it's crazy because when, before I got into Choice, before I got into doing this work, I didn't think there was any parallels to actually like physically working out or physically fighting as it pertains to your mental and your emotional health. Um, and I know that's something for you. That's one of the messages that you like to talk about with regards to your working out or your fighting or anything. So I, I guess, you know, let's get into that. Like, so what has that experience been like for you? When did like mental and emotional health become something that is so important to you? And let's just kind of take the conversation from there. Yeah, sure. So I, you know, I pretty much grew up in psychiatric hospitals. Um, I went to my first psych hospital when I was 13 years old. And, you know, that was not that we super understand mental health and mental illness now, but especially at that point, I think that we really were so deep in stigma. And all I understood as a kiddo in a hospital um, was that I was incapable of living outside of a hospital. I was literally told when I was 14 years old that I would be in a hospital for the rest of my life. Um, mm. it, yeah, which is such a depressing message to send to a child. Um, yeah. It's very like your life is limited and this is all you'll ever know. And in case you've never had the um, privilege of being inside of a psychiatric facility, I will tell you it's it's not a fun experience. You know, there's no respect or dignity that comes along with mm. being a psychiatric patient. Um, and I was a kid at this point in my life. And now I work with, um, I work with kiddos and adults, but at the end of the day, there's no beauty in being an adult and having to ask another grown adult to unlock a bathroom door for you, you know, or any mm. of those kinds of things. And so, um, when I got clean, I was 17 years old. I found out I was pregnant and I was like, I can't do this lifestyle and be a mom. And so very quickly I had to kind of figure out how to like clean up and figure it all out. And the resources available to people, the care that is available is so limited. There are so mm. many challenges in accessing care. It's a frustrating process on top of your dealing with whatever this mental health concern is, substance use, whatever you have going on. Um, and so when I turned 17, I went into the financial industry and just kind of decided I was going to like create a brand new Parker and never talk about my mental health challenges that I had. I never talked about the fact that I had been in a hospital. Like nobody wants to hear that stuff. Nobody cares about those kinds of things it was really like the environment that I was in. Um, and then in 2015, I lost my significant other to suicide and it oh, was man. shocking. 
Um, and I was at a point in my life where I was like, this doesn't happen to people like me now. This happens to people like who I used to be. And you start recognizing like, no, dude, mental illness does not discriminate. Mental illness mm -hmm. does not care the color of your skin or how much money you make now or whatever the case is. Um, and it was at that point I decided to like leave the financial industry and I recognized the power of story sharing. Mm. I recognized the disservice that I was doing to my own community, including my significant other by not sharing my lived experience and not sharing that dude recovery is possible for all people, no matter what. Um, it, it's such a going through a mental health crisis, going through a serious mental illness is it's, it's ugly. It's gross. It's dirty. It's, it's so underfunded. It's so understaffed. I mean, there's so many challenges that come along with that. And I think so much of that comes from that place of stigma. Mm. Um, and so in 2015, I left my job as a mortgage broker and I thought I invented this thing called peer support. Um, okay. I did not invent it. <laughs> it's been around since like the, the 1700s. Um, but it is essentially, uh, people with lived experience, such as myself, who've like received mental health care services. I grew up in psych hospitals. I now live a totally normal-ish life other than the fact that, again, I do MMA and I like to get beat up a little bit here and there. <laughs> and um, I now work inside of a psychiatric hospital. And so I get to lead a team of other peers with lived experience. And I have the coolest team. I get to work with the coolest, just most powerhouse advocates. Um, I'm so proud of the team that I get to work with. And our mm -hmm. job is to go into the system um, and we do advocacy whether it's writing policy, um, it's showing up and really raising the voice of the people receiving services. And mm. so it's such rewarding work. I mean, it's, it's truly coming full circle. Now, working inside of a forensic psych hospital, like, dude, I'm not even going to lie. I'm seven years into this gig now, six years into this gig. And like, sometimes the door shuts behind me and I'm like, is this a Shutter Island situation oh like, man yeah oh you know yeah like it's it's weird being a former psych patient and working in a psych hospital now like it's a weird feeling sometimes but it's right. it's the best work it's so rewarding it's so cool and there's so much work to be done but when mm -hmm. you get to see positive change and positive momentum which texas has a little bit of some positive momentum you know in the direction of mental health right now and so it's it's such a cool thing and i'm so stoked. I love programs like this that you're talking about. Any, you know, mental health, we don't talk about it enough in general, but especially like men's mental health. Um, and I love all my UFC fighters, all the MMA guys who've come out and talked about this, you know, bodybuilders, these, these men that we, we look at them and we think like, that's a man, right? That's mm -hmm. like the alpha, the, this, the, and again, mental illness doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care that you're like this super jacked dude who can like beat the shit out of everybody around you. Right. Mental illness is still mental illness. And so I just love um, people sharing that. There's so much vulnerability and fear, quite frankly, that comes along with that. Um, and when people would go, hey, what do you do? And I got to go, oh, I'm a mortgage broker. People reacted one way. And now when they go, well, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm the director of peer support. And they're like, what does that mean? And I explain and I say, well, I'm a person. I have mental illness and I grew up in a psych hospital. And they're like, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and now you work there? You work yeah. at the hospital? <laughs> and I'm 
Yes, your credentials, please. Like, oh man, yeah. Well, yeah, know. because the the definite public stigma of mental health is still that like, everybody's psychotic and everybody yeah. is in a straitjacket or some dynamic. But I mean, and if you're it, not, it's because you're faking it and you're just doing it for attention. Oh, that's so disgusting. You know? Yeah, like if you are this, you know, if you're too high functioning. You're not sick enough to really need help. So you must be faking it. If it's, you know, we can't see mental illness. And so we struggle a lot with this. And um, I think um, that's the importance of people who are living in recovery, coming out and sharing their recovery story that number one, recovery is not linear. You know, it, it, it looks different for everybody and where you are. And it, it's just, it's such a process. And I always tell people like, it's my other, other first full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in my experience, um, as you mentioned, the high functioning, my, my experience with people that are exceptional and high functioning have some mental shit that they're working through. And that's exactly the reason why they're pedal to the metal, metal to the pedal 24 seven doing what they do is because they still haven't worked through why the heck they got to prove something or they still have yet to achieve something, even though they've achieved everything else. Like, um, like for example, here real quick, uh, the did you watch the Last Dance of the Chicago Bulls on Netflix and Michael Jordan and everything? No. Like okay, so they it's 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 amazing. But the one interesting thing is they talk about how Michael Jordan was like you know every single time a challenge would happen, he would create a story in his head and be like, and then I took it personal, and then I took it personal, then I took it personal, and then he just freaking go ballistic and win. And, you know, here I am knowing this about mental health and emotional health, like, you need to get that checked out, buddy. Like, that's not healthy for you, you know, but, but because it's, because it's what drove them to win and be the best ever, the GOAT, you know, like there, um, I was gonna say right, behind I, you, right behind me. Right. I mean, but that's, that's what drove him to success. So people don't really question that mindset, but kind of like what we were talking about earlier with how people get into fighting or people get into bodybuilding and they have this ex exceptional result. You're like, Oh, this guy is still fighting through some shit that, you know, that, yeah, he might not talk about, but you could tell it clearly exists. Um, yeah. The, the one, the one thing I really wanted to, cause you mentioned it, you said at 14, you were being told this, you're being told you're never going to live out of here. You're never going to do that. I can imagine as someone as at the age of 14, who was very impressionable at that age. And we all are when we're teenagers, let's be real. How, how are you able to work through that? Because I, I know that during that age, when you're told something, you usually just kind of take it and you identify yourself with whatever labels or whatever behaviors that they tell you. So like, was there a pivot for you? Was there, was there something, I mean, I guess you said it with, with, you know, you got pregnant at 17, you're in the different version of Parker. Is that what the, what actually drove you to snap out of just accepting that rhetoric for yourself? A hundred percent. My child saved mm. my life. A hundred percent. I mean, it was, it was, I was no longer living life for myself, but I was living life for this person and mm. I could not fuck it up was really my thought process. Um, I, like, I think that I always say it's her, like a hundred percent. It was her. I don't think I had the, the desire to get out of that space, mostly because I didn't believe that you could. And quite frankly, I think I didn't really know it was an option. Like hmm. when you are hearing professionals, right? These are mental health professionals. These are adults, which number one, there's already that power dynamic when you're a kiddo, right? And mm -hmm. so these are adults, these are well-educated adults who have fancy acronyms behind their name. 
and they are in charge of everything that happens to you. If you come or go or you stay or you leave, or, you know, they are in charge of every single thing that happens to you. And you take their word as everything. And I never saw anyone come out of this. Nobody ever was telling me like, oh, dude, you know what? I used to be here. It sucks right now. But let me tell you, it can get better. And there's this thing called recovery and there's support groups and there's resources and there's, and there's other people who are exactly like you who've been through this and dude, they're out there and they're doing things and it's going to be okay. And that really is all I do now. I, when I walk onto a unit and I talk to the, the folks that I serve, like I just, I know what it feels like to be here, man. I, I do get it and it can get better. It does get better. It's hard, but it does get better. And so it's really about like owning your life. And you said mm-hmm. earlier about that, you know, that victim mentality. And it's so easy, dude, to like mm-hmm. fall into that. It's so easy to feel like you deserve that. I look how much I've been through. I'm such a victim. I deserve X, Y, or Z. And it's like, first of all, you don't, you didn't even deserve the trauma that happened to you. You didn't deserve that either. Right. It happened. It is now up to you to steer your ship or you allow life to happen to you. And like that mentality just drives me so bonkers and bananas because I used to be so stuck in that. And so when I see that now, I'm like, dude, you just got to make the choice. And it's hard for everyone. Like it is hard for everyone. Everyone is facing adversity in some level. Yeah. 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 And and I imagine now as the director of peer support that you are now, if it's like, well, the director of peer support can tell me she did the same thing as I did. And she's now this person and thriving and making impact. So can I, so it's, it's really awesome that you, not only did you experience it, but you were to work through it, especially when you're given a circumstance that, that could have even kept you even into a more of a victim per se, but you said, oh, fuck that. I'm going to do something about it. And now you're on this end of it. And man, I'm really proud of you. Really happy for you. Seriously. That's phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah. That's, it's that's... so cool. And I, I'm, I feel so grateful and so privileged because like, dude, I lost so many people along the way and mm. I know that it, it so easily could have and probably should have been me. And so now to have this opportunity to go back and like the thing that really often keeps me going in this work, cause like, I'll be honest, it's hard being a person with lived experience working. And I work inside of a forensic psychiatric hospital. And mm-hmm. so it's, it is a bit of a chaotic environment. The staff is very um, on edge and, and oftentimes, honestly, as mental health care providers, number one, they're very burnt out um, and compassion fatigue is real. But when you haven't experienced being, on the patient side, it just, it hits different, you know? And so yeah. as a person with lived experience working in a system that is like incredibly unfair, incredibly, it lacks trauma informed mechanism. It's just such a nasty world. And being a professional mental health advocate, it's my job to say really unpopular things at tables with really powerful and important people. And, um, I always like, I'll get really nervous, uh, like I'll give you an example. Recently, I had a very cool experience. I got to work on a, a very cool steering committee whose purpose was to look at the forensic mental health landscape in Travis County and offer some suggestions on how to clean this mess up. And I was on this steering committee with like the district attorney and the chief of police and, you know, these really heavy hitting kind of quite frankly, scary people. And I'm sitting next to like a judge and the head of a university. And I'm just like, my imposter syndrome kicks in. And I'm like, I don't mm. belong at this table. Um, and also <laughs> now I'm about to tell them how they're doing such a shit job for our community. And I'm scared. Um, 
but what keeps me going in that space is like I think if like 16 year old Parker came in here she would think I'm super fucking cool I think she would be super proud of me I think she would scare the shit out of all you motherfuckers and I think that she would be so like I am now who that Parker needed yes and like dude there's so much beauty in that and I'm so grateful that I've had this opportunity and I'm proud of the work that I've done. And I'm like, I'm so excited about what's to come and um, having people who like alongside me that see the vision and are willing to push. Um, they're willing to be uncomfortable in this with me. And it's like, it's so cool. I think we're going to do some cool things and, and we already have, we already have, and it's, it's exciting. That's so amazing. Yeah. One of, uh, one of the most powerful things that has been imposed upon me and I live through it every day is be the hero that you needed as a child, you know, yes. and, and, and just, you just, Oh my God, all of that inner child work and, and everything is oh. just fucking phenomenal. Oh, are you aware of inner child work? Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, hold of on, course. Hold on. So great story. I, I, I got to share this on another podcast, but I, I've only shared it only on here. Um, but one of the biggest catalysts for me that got me to where I'm at and why shift EQ, the emotional intelligence is exists um, is during the, so I went through choice in like 2019. And even though I learned all about emotional intelligence and everything, I, it was just more of like, ah, I know this thing. I'm ego, ego, yeah. ego, just fed it to the ego. I know this, so don't need to apply it. During COVID, I found a box um, and the box had all of my psychiatric notes from when I was first into foster care because I'm adopted. And all of the traumas, all of everything, like two or three years of this, of all the work that I did with her. And it was crazy because I'm sitting there. I'm like, Oh my God, these are the same traumas I am still dealing with. Now it's not obviously in the same, the triggers aren't the same, but the trauma is still the same. So Mm -hmm. I started, that's when I started running. That's when I started training. That's when I started doing everything. And right before my second competition is in the year 2022, I, my birthday is 222 and in the year 2022, it fell on a Tuesday into a two. And then to create more alignment in the universe, I decided to go to Tulum, right? Just, I'm like, ah, I'm going to create all the synchronicity. Oh, that was cool. I would just wait, just wait though. It gets even cooler. So as I'm doing all of this work, I just started my brand. I started doing a podcast. I, I didn't know where the hell I was going with this. Um, but when I went out there for my birthday, my buddy I was staying with, he's like, Hey, uh, my aunt's staying with me as well. You'll get along with her. Trust me. Um, and you know, just, just communicate with her. You'll see why I'm like, All right, I don't know what that means. So I start talking to her. I, I tell her everything, you know, I, I found my, all my foster paperwork. I'm got me into bodybuilding. It, it's getting me through this. And then she's like, Oh, that's inner child work. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. How, how do you know? Right. And she's like, look up my name. I'm like, your name? She's like, my name is Catherine Taylor, right? And I'm like, okay. So I I look up Catherine Taylor in Google, and she is the author of the Inner Child Workbook. She is the pioneer of the work that I had just freaking started changing my entire life. And I'm just like, what the fuck just happened? Bro, that kind of gave me the goosebumps a little bit. Wow. It was it was insane. And then for that entire week that I was in Tulum, we talked about building our brands. She made me promise her that I'd be working, I'd work on my brand, share my message, share my story, 
and make sure that I spread the, the word because, you know, that's because I'm a product of her work. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a couple a couple months later, unfortunately, she actually ended up passing away just out of nowhere. And I and to this day, I still feel like it's a passing of the torch of her work to me. And I got to I get to share her work. But it was just insane to think that everything that changed and saved my life saved my relationships, saved every aspect of my life that I cared about. And I didn't know I cared about until I started doing that work came from <laughs> her work as her pioneering or her engineering of that work. And it was just like, all right, universe, I believe you, uh, uh alignment in the whole nine <laughs> yards. Uh, I mean, to this day, so this, this is, so I got, so the, you know, the tiger's eye, you know, bracelet. Yeah. I originally got one from Tulum, but it's from Mexico, so they don't really last very long. Um, but now I get these from Amazon, which, you know, it's from Tulum. <laughs> it. But I, I all, it's official, right, right. It, it identifies Jeff being Bezos from Tulum. Jeff Bezos told me so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazon, Mexico, same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's my constant reminder that I made her this promise. And, and that's why, like, you know, when it comes to people like from you, like you doing your work, like I want to share what you've experienced as well, because sometimes it, all it takes is some person in our background, some person that we can identify with in some dynamic that ends up actually being the catalyst for us to actually start investing into ourselves and realizing that we're not a victim, but rather it's an opportunity to start learning. And so oh, you're not a victim. It's an opportunity. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Oh my God. Thank you for sharing that. That is yeah. so wild it is pretty bizarre oh, i'm so grateful for her work because that was something that truly like changed my perspective and changed literally changed my life is doing that inner child and it's the ugly work and it's the hard work oh and yeah it is so exhausting oh it's so exhausting yeah. but having gone through this process and, and very much so like i always say like recovery is an ongoing process it's i don't ever think i'm recovered i think i will always be hopefully growing and recovering and all those great things, but recognizing where that stuff comes from and how it shows up in you. And oh, yeah. like, um, I'm rereading the body keeps score right now. Um, oh. and my coach is reading it, which is a book about how people who experience trauma, um, how it sticks in your body and how it continues to show up. Mm. Um, and so like one of the ways for me that that has been, um, that shows up, like I am very, I have shoulder, weird shoulder issues from doing this so much as a child. Huh. Um, and so when I fight my old, my last MMA coach, um, would always call me rock'em sock'em robots. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bro. I hated it. Cause I would be like sparring and he'd be like, come on, fucking rock'em sock'em. And I'm like, you're not helping. Um, but it was true because I would just, you know, I'm, I'm real tense. And that's why I say like, I have to get hit a little bit. And once I start getting hit in the face, like I'll kind of start loosening up and I'm cool. Mm -hmm. But when I start in, I, I just, I'm rock'em, sock'em robots. I, I guess I'm going to own that now. <laughs> um, and in bodybuilding, like you are so connected in with your body and your movements. And I'm recognizing my shoulders are just like, and do this weird thing. And um, mm. going back into like exploring that trauma piece of things and how that shows up and how you're holding that and why. Uh, what's obviously there's a benefit to you or else you wouldn't do it. So why are you holding on to that? Why are you choosing to be in that space? And it's just like fascinating. Wow. So are you saying like that movement or that, I guess that posture, it, it, it triggers an emotional response out of you? Is that kind of what you're saying right now? 
it's like a weird rigidity that I have that mm -hmm. I just walk around with. And so, yeah, I think there is something to, um, I get punched in the face a few times and then I'm like, oh, okay. Right. And it does. It's like, it, it's like a light bulb that goes off. It's really mm. bizarre. And it's kind of terrifying to watch. Like I've watched it back on film before and I'm like, who let me, like, it does make you go like, who let this girl on a mat? Like, it's very concerning the first minute and a half. <laughs> just getting the shit beat out of me. And you're like, someone should do something about that. And then I'll finally wake up. That's awesome. Like, no, 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 don't worry. She needs to get her ass beat just a little bit yeah. before. This is all part yeah. of it. This is all part of the secret. This lesson. is her stick. Yeah, is... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so I'm a huge uh, Jacksonville Jaguars fan, and there's a there's a player oh. in our uh, franchise. His name is John Henderson, and he's the six six, three hundred and like fifteen pound defensive tackle. And before every single game, he'd have one of the trainers, and there's a very specific one that slapped the fuck out of him before every single game, and that's what got him going. And so, hey. What again, what I've if it what, works, it works. What I've learned is that people that perform at a very exceptional level, they have something that triggers them into that that higher mindset that they that they need to perform. And um that shows up differently for everybody. If it's sometimes it's getting punched in the face a couple of times, sometimes it's <laughs> like dry scooping pre-workout or maybe even snorting it. Who knows, right? Let's just take it to the extreme. I mean, <laughs> just whatever it fucking takes for you to get into it, you know. You do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. All right. So with that being said now, so you are 87 days away from your very first competition. Um, what, what competition is it? And, um, yeah, I guess, yeah. What's, what's the competition you're doing? Yeah. So I'm doing the Genesis natural show April 6th here in Austin. Is that, uh, Onyx or Genesis? Yes. Onyx. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it the yeah. Genesis? I don't, you know what? It's a Genesis show. I don't, I don't, you know, this, and that's a natural, natural competition. Mm -hmm. I got you. Mm -hmm. then I still, I'm, I think that's Onyx. I, there's still so many of these I federations. think it is. Aren't they like under the same? I think so. Or something like that. I, I hope I so. Know. Because if it's not, then we just both sound stupid right now, but it's okay. Um, well, listen, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. No, that's so true. And my coach is so great. He's made it to where I don't have to think about anything. I just do it. And it's pretty wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Chris Chris will for sure. He knows a lot of the ins and outs, and he's very, very awesome, obviously. So big shout out to you, Chris. I bet you didn't know we're going to give you a shout out on this one, right? Um, all right. So for anybody else that's that wants to follow the journey, um, where can they find you? Yes, come see me um, on Instagram at Parker Likes Finding. I love to share just about the journey that I'm going through and um, fitness and a lot about mental health and mental health advocacy. And I'm really annoying with the MMA jokes. So just brace yourself for that. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not a bodybuilder at all, please give her bodybuilding advice because she definitely wants that from you. <laughs> yes, I do so badly. I'm all about like, give me as much information, any tips, tricks. I'm so here for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But all right, we'll stay on for just a little bit, Parker. And for everybody else that's tuning in and listen to this, this phenomenal episode, honestly, this is great. And uh, wants to get punched in the face or something, by all means, thank you for tuning in. And uh, until next time, guys, deuce. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO or the ROV.